0: Let's open our Bible to the Gospel of John in chapter 7, and we're going to be there in just a moment. Now, as I was thinking about, and then you have your midweekly because I'm going to refer back to this little introduction just a moment. Many of us remember Paul Harvey. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but uh, uh, many of this group, would, many of us remember Paul Harvey. You know, he had this most distinctive way of using words, you know, and uh, he probably was the most listened to American broadcaster for many, many years, and uh, over 24 million people listened to his radio program. And if you're not familiar with Paul Harvey, he would—he had a little unique way of coming on, and then he would—you know—he'd report some news things, and then toward the end of the program, his program, he'd always have some story to tell, and he was a master at that. And then he would, he would be right up to the climax of the story and it would always stop for a commercial. And then when that commercial was over, he'd come back, and he'd say, now the rest of the story. Do any of you remember that? And then he'd tell the rest of the story, which the way he told it made the story better than the story was. He could take a bad story and make a story good. And then, of course, he had that little unique way of ending. Now, I was thinking about that this afternoon. John mentioned last week. Now, if you'll take your uh, worship sheet tonight, and I've I've had this. Last Wednesday night, the focus was on understanding some things about the Holy Spirit. Now, tonight, if Paul Harvey were here and he'd say it better, (laughs) we're going to look at the rest of the story. Because tonight, what we're going to focus on is, is how the Holy Spirit uh, comes not only to us, but is to go through us and from us. And it's going to make much sense. So I want you to open your Bible to John chapter 7. I mentioned last week, and uh, I just kind of have to kind of connect back to last week to get where I'm going tonight. You know, the, the Apostle John either remembered better, but he almost alone in the four gospels records the teachings of Jesus to his disciples about when he left them, which they didn't understand, that they were going to be better off and that God the Father was going to send one in his place that would even make things better for them. And, of course, they never understood that either. But I thought maybe we ought to just go back and look just for a moment. John chapter 7, if you look down verse 37, he says, On the last day, the great day of a feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now, we read, we read these verses last week. If you missed, you ought to at least jot these references down. What Jesus is saying is, if you find yourself in a spiritual desert, and from time to time, I think we would all have to say we've been there. You may be there tonight. I hope not. You may be in one before Sunday. I certainly hope not. But it's the way life is. Sometimes you feel spiritually dry. You feel spiritually parched. And what Jesus said is, when you get like that, what you need to do, you need to come to me. And what we need to do is go to Jesus when we get like that. He said, Who he believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's the Holy Spirit. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom, look at this, those believing in him. Now we're talking about believers. Jesus says, Those who are believers, those who are followers of Christ, those who are Christians, he said, Here's what's going to happen. Those believing in him would receive. It's it's not yet happened. It's coming. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. That means he's not yet been crucified and he's not yet been resurrected. So here the gospel of John, the old apostle, is recording these words that Jesus spoke. Now turn with me over in John chapter 14 just for a moment. And let us just be reminded of what Jesus had said would happen when he went back to be with the Father in heaven. In John chapter 14, now remember, I think it helps us to remember kind of the context of where Scripture is. In John chapters 13 and 14, easy way to remember, everything in John chapters 13 and 14 took place in the upper room on the night. When Jesus was betrayed, he was having his last meal with his disciples. And he was giving his final instructions. And you find all of that in John chapters 13 and 14. So picture yourself being in that room. Now, in John chapter 14, in verse number 16, Jesus said, I will pray to the Father. or is God the Son is going to pray to God the Father. And he, that is God the Father will give you another helper. Now, Jesus had been their helper. He said, but I'm going to pray to God the Father. He's going to give you another helper. That he, that is the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, may abide with you forever. And then, in verse 17, he says, The Spirit of truth, whom whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and will be in you. So he's telling the disciples, the followers, but it includes all of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then if you look down verse 26, Jesus went on to say, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance, all things that I said to you. And then if you look in John chapter 15, now, when you come to John chapters 15, 16, 17, this covers what happened when Jesus left the upper room. You know that by looking at the last verse in John chapter uh, 14. The last thing Jesus said was, Arise, let us go from here. Where is here? Here is the upper room. He said, Okay, let's get out of here. They're on their way now to Gethsemane. So you have in John chapters 15, 16, 17, the journey from the upper room to Gethsemane. And on that wall, Jesus continues to teach. Now, in John chapter 15, look down in verse number uh, 26. Jesus said, but when the Helper comes, that's the Holy Spirit. We'll deal with that in a moment. Whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Then in John chapter 16, look with me in verse verse 7. Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He is a divine person. We talked about that last Wednesday night. That's one of the big things we talked about last Wednesday night. Then if you look down in verse 13, Jesus said, However, when He, that is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you in all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority. But whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. And in verse number 14, He will glorify me, for He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Now, I mentioned last Wednesday night, and it was not on the screen, so I'm putting it on the screen tonight. I mentioned that when we, depending on what translation you have, by the way, I, I'm not going to ask, but I hope you did get the translation booklets, and I want to encourage you, find a time, John said it Sunday, to read through the thing in one reading. It won't take that long. My suggestion about that, once you've done that, You'll be interested in some of that more than, go back and use that as a study aid. So depending on what translation you have tonight, this word could be translated helper. It could be translated comforter. It could be translated counselor. All these these words in English are trying to um, (laughs) communicate who the Holy Spirit is. Now the actual Greek word is a word parakletos. And in some of your Bibles, you'll have a little um, footnotes at the bottom. And some of them, you'll, you'll see that word, parakletos. Now, I thought it would help you tonight. not. The, the P-A-R-A, the prefix of that word, is very, very important. It simply means alongside. There it is. So if you want to just jot that down so you'll remember it later. Uh, we're trying to learn, you know, to get our hands on this whole idea uh, uh, you know, the helper, the comforter, the counselor, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, the parakletos is going to come. Okay, para means alongside. Now, kletos means literally one called. Now, when you put those two together, the para and the kletos, now you finally have the word, the parakletos. You might want to write this down very, very simply. It means one called To stand alongside another. So what Jesus was saying. Now they understood the word parakletos. I don't think they understood. How this was really going to be. But what Jesus is saying here is, When I leave you guys. You're going to be better off. Than you are with me with you. Because God the Father then. Is going to send the helper. The comforter. The counselor. Whatever. The parakletos. One who is going to come. And stand alongside with you. I, I think maybe a good way to, to get a handle on this. You know as I think about. When I read the word helper, comforter, counselor, paracletos. I think of it this way. <laughs> uh, the friend always at hand to help. That's what you and I have in the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you. How many friends do you really have? Always willing to help. And here's the icing on the cake. <laughs> we all have some friends like that, I hope. But with the Holy Spirit, we have a friend who stands alongside us, no matter what we go through. Always willing to help and, listening to this one, able to do so. See, many times you are a friend willing to stand alongside someone and you're very willing to help, but what they need may be beyond your capacity, beyond my capacity, but it's never beyond God's capacity. And that's, I mean, this this whole idea of the Holy Spirit... Is, is to realize that, and we'll get to it in just a moment, this is what God, this is what Jesus was saying to the disciples, when I leave, here's what's coming. And it, it was for them, and it, it is for us. Now, in our study tonight, I want us to do this. I want us to see, because I would dare say, all of us here would say, I hope, if not, I hope before you leave, you will. We, we're all believers, you know, we, we would say, okay, I'm a Christian. I've asked God to forgive me my sins, et cetera, and done what to repent. And I've asked, She's coming to come into my heart. And so the Bible is very clear the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. Now, what I want us to focus on tonight is to see where we fit into all this. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. So look with me in John chapter 16, if you will. And I want us to go back just for a moment. Let, go back in verse 5 and let me read a few verses quickly. One I already read. In John chapter 16, verse 5. Jesus said, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Well, obviously, for three years, he's been the leader. And now, they don't understand it, but they do understand this. He's saying, I'm going somewhere, and you can't go. You, you, you know, I'm going to leave you. I won't be with you. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the paracletos, The one comes alongside to help. The paracletos, the helper, will not come to you. But if I depart, now watch this, I will send him to you. And now watch this. When he has come, look what he's going to do. Now he has, the believers, he is saying, are going to have the Holy Spirit. Now what's the Holy Spirit going to do? Well, here it is. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And if you have your little worship sheet, you might want to fill in those blanks right there. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, what he's going to do, I'm going to send him to you. And what he, the Holy Spirit, is going to do, he's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now, let's think just quickly about that, convict of sin. Now, here's what we need to understand it is the holy spirit's work it is his job to convict people of sin we cannot do that now i could camp out here all night and i've i've grown up in the church been in the church all my life i've seen a lot of, i've seen a lot of things in church i've listened to a lot of sermons uh, i've you know sometimes i think Preachers, I think their heart's right. But I think they forget that they can't bring true conviction. That is not their job. Their job is to preach the gospel. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to produce conviction. To help people to realize their lost condition. Now sometimes, I think preachers... And we have to work at not doing this. You, you know, you can play on the emotions of people, play on the sympathy of people, and kind of orchestrate what would appear, I would think, on the surface of, of conviction. But what I'm saying is that is not how it works. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to convict people of their lostness. And it, it's a, that, that's what he's saying. Saying here in this verse, we cannot produce as humans. The Holy Spirit convict the world of righteousness. Referring to the, to, that is, he's going to convict people that it's not their righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness. You know, jot this little verse, that's a great verse. That's 2 Corinthians five 17. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the what? The righteousness of God in him. It's not my righteousness. My fear is. There are many good moral church people that honestly believe they've had an experience of the Lord. And, as they, and they justify that by, by the life. It, look, folks, I don't care how good you live, how good I live. Inside of God is filthy rags. It's not your righteousness. It's not my righteousness. It's His righteousness, and that is exactly what the Word of God teaches. Put your bullets, if you will, where we are. Turn over in Acts chapter four. I want to show you something. This is good. It'll be just a few pages. Acts chapter four. Uh, look with me down in verse uh, in verse five. I'm in Acts chapter four. Let's, let's go down to verse 5. It's very interesting. It said, it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, <laughs> the elders and the scribes, as well as uh, Annas and the high priest Caiaphas and John Alexander and many other family of the high priests were gathered together at Jerusalem. So you got all this uh, uh, ecclesiastical hierarchy gathered together. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power? And by what name have you done this thing? And then verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people, nor is there any salvation in any other for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved the holy spirit convicts people of that in a marvelous way and then this whole idea not only of righteousness he convicts the world of judgment and and you see convictive judgment refers to the future judgment and the awfulness of hell you know The judgment of God is true. It's in the Bible. It needs to be taught. It needs to be preached. The fact is, it would be about the bottom of a list of what people want to hear about. But it is and should be the top of the list what we need to hear about. People, there is a day of judgment coming. And there is an awful hell. And people need to be taught the truth of what God's Word says, and the Holy Spirit is involved in all of that. Now, the exciting part of this involves you and me, and here is is, 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 is this, the Holy Spirit comes to believers to work through believers, and I wish you'd write that down. The Holy Spirit comes to believers to work through believers. I worked on how to say that. Had it said another way, and late this afternoon, I I cleaned it up. Because that's exactly what the Bible is teaching us. Now, let let me show you in the Bible that very thing. If you look in verse, the last of verse 7, Jesus says, I will send him to you. So, the Holy Spirit comes to believers. To them, to you, to me, when we trust the Lord Jesus. Now, what's going to happen? Well, when he's come to us, we become a channel. He is going to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. He's not going to do it audibly. He lives inside of us. He comes to believers, and then he goes through believers. And that is a blessed, wonderful thing. It's very interesting. There is not one single conversion in the book of Acts apart from some human person being involved. Now in the Gospels, there there are instances where Jesus alone uh, dealt with someone that was saved. But I'm talking about the book of Acts. It's very, very interesting. There's not one single conversion. In Acts is recorded without human involvement. Now, now let's just think, let we, you know, in Acts, turn over in the book of Acts chapter 2. We, we're in the neighborhood, and we do it real quickly. Let, let's just think about Peter's sermon. I can't, don't have time to read all this, but in Acts chapter 2, you can make notes where all this is. <laughs> you know, Peter preached a sermon in Acts chapter 2, At the day of Pentecost, and the Bible says, and 3,000 souls were saved. Okay? Now, think about something. Had he preached that sermon a day sooner, the Holy Spirit would not have done what the Holy Spirit did through him. But what you have in Acts chapter 2, you have the Holy Spirit, but what else do you have? You have human involvement. You have the Holy Spirit, and you have Peter. Every conversion in the book of Acts, has human involvement. Another example, turn over to chapter 8. You're very familiar with the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. We won't read the story, but look in Acts chapter 8 in verse 29. It says, the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. And he did. But here's a, here's a point. The Holy Spirit and Philip, human involvement. And what happens? Well, the Ethiopian eunuch <laughs> becomes a believer. Okay, it's it's just, it's all through. Now, Acts chapter 9. Now, here's one. It's it's Saul on the road to Damascus. Now, hear me carefully. Saul, Acts chapter 9, you can read the story. Saul was not saved on the road to Damascus. On the road to Damascus, Jesus spoke to Saul. Saul was saved in Damascus. You know, he was blinded, and they led him, and then what happened? Then God had spoken to a man named Ananias. And Ananias, okay, so what we have, we have the Holy Spirit of God, we have a man named Ananias, and in Damascus, You know, the process started on the road, but it was in the Damascus by this human involvement of a man named Ananias. Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, came to know the Lord Jesus. And you might want to read later in Acts chapter 22, uh, the Apostle Paul tells that story and explains what happened. It's a very, very interesting thing. Now, another great example, Acts chapter 10, uh, you have... You have the example of a human involvement again with Cornelius. Now, you remember what happened. You remember that story. Okay. An angel spoke to Cornelius. Now, listen. He didn't tell Cornelius how to be saved. He told Cornelius to send some men over to Joppa, and there would be a man over there named Simon the Tanner, And, 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 and he'll come over. And so, Simon Peter, he goes over. And shares with Cornelius. But the point I make, the illustration is, you have human involvement. Even an angel didn't tell Cornelius how to be saved. Peter told him how to be saved. Human involvement. Now, the lesson, is a huge lesson. The Holy Spirit convicts. Listen carefully. People are channels. That's what we are. My job is not to convict people of sin. My job and your job is to be a channel through which what? The Holy Spirit can do his work through us. But it's him that is the power to do it. Now. You know, the exciting part of this is that you and I can be channels through which the Holy Spirit can work, and the Holy Spirit comes to believers to work through believers. Now, you know, what is our part? Well, our part in this (laughs) is to be sure as channels, our channel's not clogged. Yeah, this is is where the rubber hits the road. See, everything everything I've taught thus far, I mean, nobody can say it's not right. It's right here in the Bible. But... Now, out here in real life, it's not that the Bible changes. What happens, there's there's some kind of breakdown. Like, you know, the Holy Spirit does His work, and He does it through believers, like we become channels. But our channels can easily be clogged, and things don't work out. So what must we do? We must strive each day to be an unobstructed channel, so the Holy Spirit can work through us and that's, that's worth writing down in your little paper I mean this is our, this is our job every day is, as we live our life to be an unobstructed just be unobstructed no obstruction whatsoever and you say well what could obstruct us well it, the Bible is very clear <laughs> our channel be obstructed when we grieve or quench the Holy Spirit now we talked a little about that last week. You know, you, gr- you you grieve the Holy Spirit. You do something that 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 just breaks the heart of God. It could be something you say or something you think, or just a multitude think Or or quench the Holy Spirit. You know, you can put the fire out. There's a lot of things you can do. Like you, if you stop doing the right things, I guarantee you the fire will go out. You know, if if you don't. You know, like if you build a fire in a fireplace, you're going to have to put some more logs on it. Well, it's the same way with us. Like, you can become a Christian and be on fire for God, but you stop reading your Bible, you stop going to worship, you stop doing things that are just basic things in the Christian life. It doesn't mean that you're a mean person or a bad person. It just means that you're not fueling up. And it won't be very long. I've watched it over all these years. You, you just, there's a pattern. People just kind of start, you know, busy doing other things and busy going other places. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I remember people when I came here 32 years ago that, man, they sang in a choir and they were active. They, some of them were deacon chairmans, and all. And what happens to these people? Well, they just they just let they just let things put the fire out. But here's the deal that's not my your business. Mind your business <laughs> well, my business is to be careful I don't put the fire out in my own life. And that's your business. Because when that happens We no longer are able to be the channel that God would have us to be. Now, here's what I thought we would do, I'm very excited about this. I want to encourage you to do something. Uh, I want to encourage you, in your quiet time, now listen carefully. This is, this is, I worked at how, I thought, now I don't want to give them something that we get lost in in the whole deal. Let's just say tomorrow and Friday, tomorrow and Friday, Thursday and Friday, That's two days in your quiet time, whenever you have it. I want to encourage you to do something. I want you to just get a little notepad or a little piece of paper or something and and just write down things in your life that you know need to be different spiritually. I mean, it could be be an unforgiveness to someone out there that's hurt you. But you just you just can't forgive that person. Well, I won't tell you what. That'll clog your channel. Your channel, <laughs> you know, you won't have a hundred percent flow if you have unforgiveness. That's probably one of the greatest channel cloggers out there. Is people just will not forgive people. They've been deeply hurt, and it's. That might be your, or maybe it's worry. I'm just going to mention, I don't know what it would be. But in your life, I I can assure you in all of our lives, there are things, if we stop and think about them, a lack of spiritual discipline, well, that'd be huge. I mean, there are many many folks come here on Sundays, that they'll pick up their Bible till the next Sunday. Well, they're good people. But I'm telling you what, (laughs) spiritually, they're parched. They may have a good smile. They may put on a good fake for an hour here. You know, anybody can look happy for an hour. Well, I take that back. Some people can't do that, but most can. I tell you what else? It may be you've lost your burden for souls. Think about that. I mean, really, how much burden do we? I'm. I'm not. I'm not throwing rocks at you. I'm talking. I'm one of you. You know you. You can just get so busy doing, doing the things that you need to do that that the passion that you have for souls, maybe it's waned a little bit. Or, and this is probably the wrong, I need to have this on a Sunday, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe the struggle that might kind of be clogging your childhood is that the things of the world, um, and they can be good things, but they've kind of become priority. That'd be about 75% of our church based on, based on attendance and giving, you know. It's, it's just, I mean, there are a lot of good things out there in the world if we're not careful. You know, many times people are blessed materially. I've seen this so often. It's a curse. They were close to God until they had an inheritance or, or they, John talking about the lottery. Did he say he played the lottery? I got lost on that. I was listening to that. But, didn't hear what. but here's the deal. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just in my quiet time in the morning. I'm just going to do what I normally do. But then I want part of my quiet time saying, now God, I want to be a channel through which the Holy Spirit who dwells in me can do his work through me. And as I journey through my day, and to, to just do what he does through me and then show me things that in my life that is hindering his full flow. I think that's a good way to say it. And I really think, really think it would be most meaningful. This might go down as one of the best Bible studies we've had if we would do something with it other than just learn about it. Because all of us have things spiritually, we always will, that need to be either changed or adjusted or tweaked, made better. And I know that's true because the Bible says in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. That is when he returns. So until Christ returns, none of us, have crossed the goal line being 100%. Not a one of us, and we never will. But I know for me, I'll just say for me and stop, I know this, I can, I can maybe, maybe if I'm on the 20-yard line, I can get down to 15-yard line. Or if you're on the 15-yard line, maybe down to 10-yard line. But I'll tell you what'll happen. These little, these little foxes, <laughs> they eat the vines, and what they do, they clog up the channels And the Holy Spirit in us can't do through us what he wills to do.